Hello, this is just in Japan on a bike. So I thought I'd talk about my other bike, which I've owned for five years. And the uh, I've mentioned it in previous uploads here. And uh, the bike in question is a Yamaha XJ900S Diversion, to give it its full name. I bought the bike, as I said, yeah, about five years ago, uh, almost exactly five years ago to the day. And um, one thing in Japan is that the bike is very rare. Now, I had already decided that it was a bike I was very interested in. I had um, previously owned, in back in Britain, I had previously owned the one of its... Uh, ancestors, which is the uh, XJ650, and um, certainly the XJ900 still has some of the uh, characteristics and design cues from that, and certainly technologically wise. So, for example, the XJ900S diversion, I'm just going to refer to it as the diversion in this recording because um, it's a bit of a mouthful. So the Diversion 900 is um, air-cooled and shaft drive. It also has an oil cooler. Now all those are exactly like the XJ650 I used to own. The XJ900 that I'm talking about now that I still own is um, a 2005 model but as I said before the uh, it's based on old tech and it's really um, somewhat antiquated in certain aspects of like its handling um, I think the handling was the big thing that I noticed when I bought the new Suzuki that's the Jixis if you, if you haven't listened to previous recordings then I'm talking about the Suzuki GSXS 1000F, please go back and listen to those recordings if you want more details. So, the big difference uh, for me was the, the big step up in handling with the new bike. So, the Diversion 900 is definitely uh, very poor in the handling department, and um, one big difference you can see between the two bikes now is that the, is the thickness of the back wheel and the back tyre. Uh, the profile is obviously lower as well on a sports bike, the tyres, but the, uh, the diversion has certainly got um, a much narrower tyre in comparison to the Jixus. So the diversion, why did I buy it? Well, I was really looking for air-cooled and shaft drive. Um, it's something that I've always, I'd always had air-cooled bikes, and um, I suppose older bikes tend to be air-cooled anyway. Uh, liquid cooling was not very popular, uh, and I'm not sure when the first liquid-cooled bike was introduced but certainly liquid cooling started to become a thing in the 1980s with high performance sports bikes but 
most other bikes were air-cooled and um, I just felt it was simpler um, so less things to go wrong and um, and they also look nicer I think um, I think an air-cooled bike looks nicer than a liquid-cooled bike so as I said there is an oil cooler on the bike the XJ650 also had an oil cooler and um, so the XJ900, yeah, the 900 diversion is a four-cylinder mounted um, across the frame. So, uh, and it's a straight four across the frame. It's got four carburettors. Um, I you know what, I've forgotten what they are. I'm assuming they're Mikuni. I think I did check it, and I think they are Mikuni. But um, it's got four carburettors. I think they're constant. Um, constant velocity carburetors, I think, um, and as I said, it's shaft drive. Now, why would I go for shaft drive? Because people do say that shaft drive zaps a lot of your engine power. I've heard figures like 30% of engine power goes on shaft drive. Um, well, again, the simplicity, the reliability, um, and just not wanting to deal with the maintenance issues that go with chain drive and I suppose, yes, chains are probably better and stronger now, uh, but they do need adjusting, cogs need replacing, and um, they need oiling and stuff like that. Whereas, especially for somebody who um, perhaps might be a bit lazy when it comes to... It's not so much the laziness, actually, it's the not having the facilities here in Japan, I don't really have any, uh, I, don't, I have very few tools. And um, previously where I lived, where I rented, I didn't have anywhere where I could do repairs or maintenance myself. Um, this is a very common problem in Japan, um, especially if you're renting, there's just nowhere to do it. And, um, and as it happens, most Japanese guys, I suppose that includes women really, um, generally don't do much of their own maintenance they, they'll just take it to a dealer a mechanic so I was interested as I said in an air cooled and shaft drive for the simplicity the uh, low maintenance and um, I think the air cooled looks better um, I wouldn't say that a shaft looks better I'm not suggesting that um, I'd say a chain looks better better than a shaft um, and frankly I don't I mean, I'd like to try the bike with, with a chain. It's not possible, it's not something I, I could do, but it, I would be interested to know how it does compare in terms of power. Certainly the Diversion 900 has plenty of power, um, It's and it's a very smooth delivery of power right through the rev range. And um, I don't feel um, any, like... Like I mean, all engines do have a, a certain burst of power, I suppose. At especially, you notice it with motorbikes, but even car engines and things, you do notice a certain burst of power usually at a certain point in the rev range. Um, but the Diversion 900, yeah, it's um, a very smooth delivery and it's pretty um, torquey, so it's it's very good all through the rev range. My biggest gripe with the bike, and it's not something I had thought about until I started riding it um, on long stretches of road, um, 
is the fact that it's a five speed. It the gearbox uh, does not have an overdrive sixth gear. So that makes for long journeys um, rather unpleasant at high speeds, for prolonged high speeds. So although it's officially a sports tourer, uh, and I would say the performance is definitely sports tourer, the the, it's definitely got a sport, sporty acceleration um, to it. Um, the riding position is more of a, a very comfortable touring position. It's, it's, it's basically upright um, and it's got large fairing, upper, upper fairing. Um, it doesn't have lower fairing. There is an optional lower fairing kit you can get, including a belly pan. But my, my one has the standard upper fairing and a large screen. Also, my one has had an additional extra um, part added. It's like an add-on part to the top of the screen just to extend the uh, protection from the wind, which works very well. That upper section is adjustable. You can lower it to back down to in line with this standard screen where you can raise it and when it's raised it probably adds about let me think about five centimeters two and a half inches something like that um, I haven't measured it and um, it makes quite a bit of difference actually uh, and it, it certainly helps and it's not only good for protecting against the wind and especially if you go riding on a cold day but um, it does offer quite a lot of protection against rain when you get stuck in rain and a couple of years ago I got um, stuck I, I was out and I was riding in the mountains and where the, the weather can change very suddenly and I got suddenly um, hit by a very nasty uh, tropical storm which was sort of basically um, typhoon strength I think um, and um, it was horrendous weather very bad conditions uh, but the bike uh, was fine the bike's very stable um, it wasn't really bothered by by wind it wasn't bothered by heavy rain um, and it's um, once you get going, once the speed, once you pick up a bit of speed, it does offer protection against the rain. Uh, on that particular occasion, I couldn't ride very fast because I was going around mountain roads at night, and um, the rain was just too heavy, and I was in uncharted territory. I was in an area where I didn't know, and um, I was riding rather slowly. But that brings me on to a couple of other things. Um, riding at night. The headlamp is okay, and it's quite, it's largish, it's a largish headlamp. Now, going back to the XJ650, that had an absolutely huge headlamp, it was amazing. Um, it was actually quite uh, a noticeable feature of the bike um, that, that stood out to everybody. The um, XJ900, yeah, the, the, the diversion had, um, the headlamp was okay, but I have to say, um, I wasn't keen on the headlamp on dip beam. Uh, I felt that um, dip beam was, was poor and um, high beam was okay. Um, of course, it, it's not LED. Um, LED is a new thing. Um, it, it doesn't have LED. Uh, 
I'm aware that there are conversion kits and things that are available. Um, I, I'm not that fussed on it. Um, who knows if I keep the bike? Would I do that? I don't know. Um, and the other thing that um, I was going to mention is that the um, the torquiness of the bike was very, very uh, good um, when I was riding around the mounted twisties in in the in the storm. Um, I um, it meant that um, if you are being lazy or you or you just are taking it easy. Um, you don't have to change gear so much so it's the, the bike doesn't really the engine doesn't really labor much in um, lower gears and the bike will happily pull from load from a say third gear low down in the rev range up to quite a high speed and um, you could go around mountain twisties in third gear happily without changing gear um, it's quite amazing um, I mean very sharp bends you'd want to just change down to second um, but if you were riding very slowly in a rainstorm you could ride around in second gear even um, so yeah it's um, a comfortable bike to ride the seat is all one piece so it's very comfortable for pillions it doesn't taper off like a sports bike because it is a tourer um, I haven't attached any panniers or anything to it um, but it's clearly a bike that uh, can take a lot of luggage. Um, there's nice under seat storage on the bike as well. I can fit quite a lot under the seats, and uh, the seat, I should say, um, as I said, it's the, the rider and pillion seats all one piece. There's a helmet lock on it, and that's something that I forgot to mention when I was reviewing the uh, Suzuki Jixus because the Jixus, I can't find a helmet lock on it. Um, so um, I don't see anything that looks like helmet lock, which is annoying. But the um, the diversion has a helmet lock, and that is really useful having a helmet lock. And depending on the strap you've got on your helmet, you could fit uh, two helmets on your helmet lock. So that is a very useful function, and I wish um, I I don't know whether I just haven't found it. I mean, I have to say I didn't look for very carefully. In Japan, luckily, it's the kind of place where if you went to a, if you stopped where there were quite a few bikers, you could leave your helmet on your bike and nobody would steal it. It is that kind of place, and that's what a lot of bikers do. They leave their bikes just perched on the tank or, or on the dashboard of the bike, and um, or on the end of the, one of the bars, and they even leave their jackets on there in hot weather, and nobody steals anything. So that's a good point. The um, what else can I tell you? So the fuel economy, I think I calculated it. Uh, not brilliant uh, on the diversion. It could be an age thing. I don't know. It hasn't done that many miles. I'm up to. Um, I think I've done about. Um, I've done under forty thousand kilometres, which is um, under thirty thousand miles. So it's not a lot, really, if that's correct. Now. I did say that it's a rare bike, and it really is a rare bike in Japan, because when I looked for it, there were only two that I could find for sale in the whole country. Um, there may have been others, but on the, the go-to motorbike uh, website for used bikes, um, 
which is basically the only one I'm really aware of, uh, it's kind of like the, um, it, the company's kind of like the Japanese equivalent of Auto Trader, and they have a separate bike um, website and an app, which I've, got, uh, I've downloaded. Um, I could only find two for sale in the whole country, and sometimes I check out a curiosity, and there's, there's quite often none for sale whatsoever. So it turns out the bike was not um, sold in Japan, and the bike is the the ones that are available in Japan are imports. Um, so they've uh, seem to have made them. Um, I think Yamaha may have had. I don't know if they've still got it. A factory in Italy, and I think that the bike, my bike, may, I don't know. It says on it or it said when I bought it that it was made in Japan but they either exported them they were only for export or they made them in Europe because the main market for the XJ900 um, diversion was Europe um, it was a very popular bike in Europe now my bike uh, I mentioned the Italian connection because my bike uh, has a sticker on the tank in Italian, so it's been Im imported from Italy. Uh, it was used in Italy at some point. Um, I don't know, as I said, I don't know w exactly where it was made. Was it made in Italy or another country? Was it made in Japan? I'm not sure, um, but certainly um, the bike was used in Italy and possibly sold new in Italy. Um, I suspect that was the case, sold new in Italy. And um, the bike does have um, some vibration, I mentioned before. Uh, that's an issue which apparently can be fixed with, um, especially uh, the, the favoured advice, um, or the most popular advice, I should say, was adding some sort of weight to the end of the bars. Um, I am rather... Um, rather hesitant about adding extra weight to a bike. Um, so if there is another, if there is an alternative, I know things like thicker gloves have been mentioned, um, and thicker um, wraparounds for the um, the grips, I should say, thicker grips, things like that. Uh, being an older bike, there are no mod cons. Even my new Suzuki Jixxus, by the way, does not have heated grips or um, yeah doesn't have heated grips um, so I've never used heated grips um, even on the coldest of days and um, yeah sometimes I get cold hands but I sort of live with it I deal with it um, I didn't never really felt it was an issue I think the, the whole heated grips thing now is um, seems to be pretty standard or certainly um, a, a common optional extra, uh, but interestingly, I wasn't offered it as an option on the Jixus, the new Jixus. So um, I still don't know what it's like to have heated grips. I can imagine, of course. Um, so uh, yeah, I can probably live without that. Uh, I didn't really um, think it was an essential item, but having said that, I'm no, I'm in no doubt that on a very cold day, I would enjoy the benefits of heated grips. I'm not going to deny that. Um, so 
the the diversion 900 yeah it's um it's certainly a reliable bike um it's um it, it's certainly um i've got twin exhausts on it so i've got uh, twin two into one exhausts um uh, i don't remember what the brand is on them now which is crazy isn't it i just didn't i don't i think it's because i couldn't see any obvious name on the exhausts uh, they're just polished chromed exhausts um, and uh, they're not especially loud they're, they're, they're fairly quiet um, and what else can I tell you the um, I have taken pillions on the bike and um, basically uh, it seems like a comfortable bike for pillions so I think I'll end it there. I, I'll probably have more to say about it, but as I said, it is a rare bike in Japan, so um, I've never seen another one in Japan, um, apart from I did see one for sale on the internet, another one, but I've never seen one in person. Um, so it's a very rare bike. Um, and uh, having said that, uh, I was able to get serviceable parts for it, so spark plugs, filters, um, stuff like that um, and I did get a quote on tyres but they, they had to look it up they was, they said there were only they could only find one uh, one tyre that was available I should say one um, make and model of tyre uh, available for the bike um, so um, clearly they're not very accustomed to the bike and when I did take it a couple of years ago to uh, a place that does um, to have its inspection, you know, the government inspection, what we call in Britain an MOT. Um, I had decided to get them to get. I was moving home, and I wanted it. The bike actually needed the bike out the way while I was moving home, and I wanted to. Uh, so I, I wanted them to pick it up. So the the inspection had run out the inspection certificate had run out so I got the uh, I got the workshop um, to uh, pick it up and give it its uh, full service and inspection certificate and um, had premium parts put on it and um, they did need to check a few things because they weren't familiar with the model bearing in mind it's a Yamaha and I'm in Japan but they were not familiar with the model. It wasn't something that they were they had seen before. However, there was information uh, in their catalogues and um, man manuals and things like that. They were able to find information on on the parts and servicing. So, um, not totally um, not totally alien, so to speak. You know, but there we are. So, uh, oh, well, I should say that another thing that's just sprung to mind before I end this, that um, one of the reasons, there, there, are di there are different reasons why in Japan certain bikes are not popular. And um, somebody told me that air-cooled bikes um, suffer a bit in the city in the summer because Japan's so very hot here. And it's very hot and humid. Um, and because most people live in cities, such as Tokyo, then air-cooled bikes really are not suited to um, 
to city riding in the summer. Uh, so that's one reason why air-cooled bikes are not very popular. Um, another reason why certain bikes are not are not very popular here is because of seat height. And um, I mentioned before that what we call in Britain a medium seat height would be called a high seat height in Japan. Because of the difference in um, just physiques, so the average Japanese person has shorter legs than, say, the average um, northern European. So the, um, the seat height is a major issue. And you do see that sometimes. I do sometimes see people really struggling on motorbikes that appear to be too big for them. And when they stop, for example, at traffic lights, they have terrible difficulty um, they have to lean over and tiptoe on one leg um, and they do struggle. In fact, when I was out the other day, uh, I did see, uh, there was, I mentioned in a previous recording about a couple that were out um, on their bikes together and the, the, the female half of the couple um, basically was really struggling and her her partner, her male partner, who was a biggish chap, he had to um, pull, wheel the bike backwards out of the parking space and um, he wheeled it out of the parking area for her to get on and then he got on his bike and then she was really struggling to get on the bike. So um, they had a couple of old classic Kawasaki's that looked like um, possibly uh, 80s models. But anyway, there we are. This has been just in Japan on a bike, and um, thanks for listening. If you if you like it, hit the like button and subscribe button. And this recording should now appear. It will appear on my new podcast called Just in Japan on a Bike, and I shall be uploading this as audio content to YouTube. Thanks for listening. Catch you again soon.